0: Following audio is from Crossroads Church in West Ossipee, New Hampshire. For more information about Crossroads Church, you can go to www.crossroadsossipee.com. Hello. Well, mm, turn with me and your Bibles to. Mm, mm, Luke 16, verses 1 through 15. And that's on page 875 in the Pew Bibles. Um, Forgive me, though. Weather's not changing. I've just been singing my guts out over here. Gross. You may remember from last week, We looked at the two prodigal sons in chapter 15, and we remember uh, that the word prodigal doesn't mean something that is lost and comes back, right? The word prodigal means squanderer, the squandering sons. And this week, we're going to look at another prodigal, the prodigal manager in Luke 16, and hopefully we'll get a good lesson out of a bad example. But let's pray. Father God, we are grateful to be gathered together here this morning in your name. And we thank you that because we are gathered in your name, your spirit is here among us. You are here with us. Lord, we thank you for preserving your word, preserving the meaning We thank you that your word will never mean what it never meant. And though the application may be different now than it was long ago, it's still relevant for us today. We're so grateful that your word continues to speak to us by the power of your spirit. And so we ask now, Lord, that your spirit would speak, that you would be glorified in your church by our obedience to your word. That's our prayer. Glorify yourself in us, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. amen. So our text for this morning is a continuation of the lessons that Jesus has been giving uh, to this crowd of followers and Pharisees. Um, the followers were made up of both the 12 disciples uh, as well as the tax collectors and sinners that we were introduced to back in the opening verses of chapter 15. And, of course, the Pharisees uh, and the scribes were those religious leaders whose power over the people was in jeopardy. Um, They were threatened by Jesus and his influence. So to his followers and in the hearing of the Pharisees, Jesus tells this parable in verse 1 of chapter 16. He also said to the disciples, there was a rich man who had a manager and charges were brought to him that this man was wasting his possessions. And he called him and said to him, what is this that I hear about you? Turn in the account of your management, for you can no longer be manager. And the manager said to himself, what shall I do since my master is taking the management away from me? I'm not strong enough to dig and I am ashamed to beg. I have decided what to do so that when I am removed from management, people may receive me into their houses. So summoning his master's debtors one by one, he said to the first, how much do you owe my master? He said, a hundred measures of oil. He said to him, take your bill and sit down quickly and write 50. Then he said to another, how much do you owe? He said, a hundred measures of wheat. He said to him, take your bill and write 80. The master commended the dishonest manager for his shrewdness. For the sons of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own generation than the sons of light. And I tell you, make friends for yourselves by means of unrighteous wealth, so that when it fails, they may receive you into the eternal dwellings. May the Lord add his blessing to his word. Um. Yeah. <laughs> so there are a lot of texts that make me uncomfortable. Um, this is this is uh, this kind of takes the cake. I want to stop and, and take a look at this. It's really important for us to remember, first of all, that this is a parable, right? An illustration used by Jesus to make a point. And the the point that Jesus is making is not to be a greedy dirtbag. That's not the point. <clears throat> now that we've got that out of the way. <laughs> so the rich man had, <clears throat> had a manager, a steward of his property. The manager, this manager had charge over the rich man's possessions uh, and had been caught prodigaling it, squandering it, wasting it. And he got called to account for it. And this fellow um, may not have been a great money manager, but he was no dummy. He knew that he had been caught and that he was going to get fired. So he came up with a plan to keep from digging ditches um, or begging in the street. He had no interest in going to work for the Department of Public Works um, or or sitting around and begging from people. And in verse 3, he has this funny little conversation with himself. I'm sure that he's the only one that's ever done this before. (laughs) Verse 3, the manager said to himself, What shall I do since my master is taking the management away from me? I'm not strong enough to dig, and I'm ashamed to beg. I have decided what to do so that when I am removed from management, people may receive me into their houses. Um, So in reading the commentaries, there – Not everybody is on the same page with this. Uh, There are some commentators who I think are incorrect that said, well, so what was happening is this manager was inflating the prices. uh, And so what he does is he just takes his cut off and brings the bill down to what the actual bill was minus his percentage, which totally takes the teeth out of this parable altogether, I think. Um, This guy – this guy had been busted for wasting the manager's possessions. Right? Somebody pays rent. The rent's five hundred dollars, and then you, uh, you're in charge of collecting that and then depositing that in the in the bank for the, the real owner. But you you spend it on yourself instead. Um, that's what he was. That's what he was caught doing. So he wasn't very good at managing the money. But now he decides that the best thing for him to do is to straight up steal from the manager uh, from the master. All right, so he sits down with some of the people who owed his master, and he starts cooking the books. Way better at accounting than me. right? <laughs> with one debtor, he cancels half of the debt. Right? He owed uh, 100 barrels of oil, and now he says, write 50. So he canceled half the debt. The other uh, he cancels 20%. It was, It's was 100 measures of wheat, now just write 80. So what's he trying to do? He is hope, his hope is that by discounting their bills, these debtors would now be in debt to him. Like he's doing a huge favor for these people. Um, and, and maybe they might give him a job and a place to live. Because all they know is he's giving them a discount. Not that he is robbing the master of what is owed to him. Uh, now, by my math, this manager cost his master over 400 gallons of oil. And five to six hundred bushels of wheat, that's what the, the actual measures were. It just says measure here in the English, but there's an actual measure. Um, and he didn't do that just because he was a jerk, but he's trying to secure his future uh, with one of these debtors. Remember, I cut your bill, and that saved you a lot. So I'm in dire straits now, so maybe... You can help me out, right? Um, And in first century Judea, one might expect that this manager would be thrown into prison for this treachery, right? He just stole a lot of oil and wheat from his master. But that's not how this story goes. Verse 8, the master commended the dishonest manager for his shrewdness. Okay, okay. right. The master praised his cleverness. He made friends for himself by giving deep discounts. And the master was impressed by his ability to deal with this potential incoming hardship uh, by redistributing resources. Both of these businessmen sound a little greasy to me. Right. Jesus says. The master commended the dishonest manager for his shrewdness, for the sons of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own generation than the sons of light. And I tell you, make friends for yourself by means of unrighteous wealth so that when it fails, they may receive you into the eternal dwellings. Uh Uh-huh. I want to point something out, uh, first of all, Um, where Jesus says unrighteous wealth, right? The word uh, originally is mammon, and it doesn't mean just money. It means resources, right? Maybe that's cash. Maybe that's wheat. Maybe that's oil. Maybe that's sheep. Maybe that's wood, if you're a player of Settlers of Catan, right? (laughs) right? So it's more than just money that we're dealing with. We're talking about resources, Jesus isn't praising the manager's dishonesty. He is praising his shrewdness, his cleverness. I've, uh, in, in my family, like cleverness is tip of the spear. Like that's the best thing you can be is clever. But you can be really smart, and that's fine. But if you're not particularly clever, okay. But cleverness, man, that's, that's a good thing. I got off that track. Sorry, talking about myself. Jesus isn't praising the the manager's dishonesty, but his shrewdness. And not only that, but he encourages his followers to also be shrewd, to be clever, in the same way by making friends by means of unrighteous mammon, unrighteous wealth, unrighteous resources, so that when it fails, those friends may receive them into eternal dwellings. So, is Jesus teaching his followers to be shady businessmen? No, thank you. Okay, no, no. Is Jesus suggesting here that people can buy their way into heaven? No, thank you. All right, feeling good. Jesus is instructing his followers on the beneficent use of wealth And resources as a powerful means of grace. Martin Luther wrote. It is not works that win us to heaven. But Christ bestows eternal blessedness. Out of a grace. On those who believe. And have proved their faith. In works of love. And right use of earthly good. See earthly wealth. And resources. Can't buy us a place. In God's eternal kingdom. But. If we use earthly wealth and resources shrewdly for God's purposes, we can ensure a good reception there by those who got in as a result. Does that make sense? If we use what God has given us shrewdly for his purposes, that will have an effect on people. And those people Will be in God's eternal kingdom and will welcome us there. Does that make sense now? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Well, it makes sense to Ben, so I'm comfortable. The second time. The it second time. Yeah. Right. Jesus said in Matthew 6, 21, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And what that means is that there is a strong link between our money and our spirituality. What we hold up as most important is going to capture our hearts. It's already captured our hearts. So if that's money, that's, that's going to be on display. That's not going to be a secret. If what's most important to us is the, that's what we talk about. That's what our pursuits, that's what we're chasing all the time. Is that just money or is it something else? When Jesus said in verse 9, make friends for yourself by means of unrighteous wealth, so that when it fails, they may receive you into eternal dwellings. He's telling his followers to use your money, use your resources while it still has value. It is a temporary tool that can do some eternal good. And it can be a powerful motivator. Right? I, to, I told you the old joke about the, the rich man that dies and insists in his will that he's buried with his gold bricks. This is theologically inaccurate and he gets to heaven, and he, and he arrives at the pearly gates with his piles of gold bricks, and they say, you know, welcome, good and faithful servant, what's with all the pavement? Right? It's, Thank you for your charity, George. <laughs> it's only temporary. The value of our resources are only temporary. Paul wrote to Timothy in 1 Timothy 6, 19, uh, 6 17 through 19, He said, as for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, proud, or nor set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God, who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. They are to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, thus storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future, so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. What we have been entrusted with, whether it is a little or a lot, has been entrusted to us by God as stewards. And we should use it to help people enter his kingdom through faith in Jesus. That's why you make what you make. That's why you have what you have. That's why you live where you live. That's why you live next to who you live next to. That's why you drive what you drive. It's so that you can introduce people to Jesus. That's it. Verse 10 also shows us that we can view the use of money and wealth as an indicator of hidden character. One who is faithful in a very little is also faithful in much. And one who is dishonest in a very little is also din- dishonest in much. Not being a lover of money or greedy for gain, but hospitable and a good manager of his own household. That's some of the requirements the Bible gives us for eldership, right? These are character qualities that we should all aspire to. It's the standard that we should all try to reach. When we regard all that we have, whether it's a lot or a little, as belonging to the Lord, when we realize that what i call mine is really his we'll be faithful with what the lord has given us whether it's a little or a lot we're just borrowing nothing we have belongs to us i've tried to remind my kids of that when they start to like a mass thing actually act like jerks and nothing that you have is yours This baseball bat that you have broken, that was mine, not yours, right? That sort of stuff. Yeah, Andrew's not here to defend himself right now, so pray for him, right? Verses 11 and 12, uh, as we move along, also give us a potential explanation, perhaps, of the lack of spiritual power in our own lives. Verse 11 says, if then you have not been faithful with the unrighteous wealth mammon resources who will entrust you who will entrust to you the true riches and if you have not been faithful in that which is another's who will give you that which is your own i'm not saying that this is you but i'm not saying it isn't i'm also not looking for a raise this is not a fundraising effort for the church so put that right out of your mind i have no idea what the lord has put in front of you to do with the resources that he has entrusted you with i have no idea i do know that he is all calling us to faithfulness and to submission to him as master To recognize that all that we have belongs to him. To will and to do with whatever he desires. And when we are faithful with what he has entrusted to us, he may just entrust to us more. Verses 13 through 15 kind of get to the heart of the matter of the connection between money and spirituality. He says, no servant can serve two masters. For, he will, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. The Pharisees, who were lovers of money, heard all these things, and they ridiculed him. And he said to them, you are those who justify yourselves before men, but God knows your hearts. For what is exalted among men is an abomination in the sight of God. Warren Wiersbe said, if God is our master, then money will be our servant and we will use our resources in the will of God. Use it. Don't serve it. As the songwriter said, we weren't born to just pay bills and die. That's a songwriter that only I know. (laughs) One of the most often misquoted verses in the Bible is 1 Timothy 6.10. People say money is the root of all evil. Does it sound familiar? Well, it's not what the Bible says, so I don't know why. First Timothy 6 says, For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and have pierced themselves with many pangs. Here's the thing about money. Riches deceive. They make people think that there's something that they're not. Money and power and influence was what the Pharisees were after. And that pursuit hasn't changed much over the last 2,000 years. But no matter... No matter how much money or power or influence anyone has in this life, we are all equal at the foot of the cross. We all stand condemned because of our sin. But by the grace of God, forgiveness is available to all. The evaluation of God will come when we act not out of what we want others to see, but out of what we have actually become. Let me say that again. The evaluation of God will come when we act not out of what we want others to see, but out of what we have actually become. When judgment day comes, the book is going to be opened and our deeds are going to be exposed. Our attitude, our priorities are all going to be laid bare. And we're going to have to answer for those. We actually have opportunity To benefit the kingdom of God. To increase the kingdom of God with our resources. And that should be our priority. The Lord Jesus said in Matthew chapter 25. When the son of man comes in his glory and all the angels with him. Then he will sit on his glorious throne. Before him will be gathered all the nations. And he will separate people Then he will answer them saying, truly, I say to you, as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. Children of light. Let's be shrewd in dealing with our generation and use what we have been given to expand God's eternal kingdom. Through the good news of Jesus Christ. With every dollar. With every resource. With every talent. With every skill. Use it for God's glory. So that you will be counted among the sheep. Using what we have been given by God for God. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Father, this, um, this, this is a hard word. Kind of come to meddling. Lord, we ask that you, by the power of your spirit, would give us strength to reorganize our priorities. That we would use the resources that you have blessed us with to bless others in your name. That your gospel would be a priority and our, our time, our talents, our treasure would reflect that. I pray that our ledgers would reflect your kingdom is a priority to us. Our checkbooks would glorify you. Lord, we need your help to do this. This is not easy for us. It's not easy for me. We want very much to expand your kingdom. We want very much for people to come to know Jesus, and we don't often know what to do. We pray that you would give us wisdom, that we would be clever in the use of our resources to make friends with people in this world that they might come to know Jesus and not just be our friends, but our brothers and sisters. Open our eyes to the opportunities. Don't let us be blind and selfish, but to put you first, put your kingdom first and glorify you in all that we do. We love you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. If you would like to participate in the mission of Crossroads Church through financial support, checks can be mailed to Crossroads Church, Post Office Box 576, West Ossipie, New Hampshire, 03890.